0: Welcome to Orchestrated, a Musio podcast where we discuss the past, present, and future of music creation to explore exactly what it means to be a musician in the modern era. I'm Chris Hazel. I'm Mike Patty. And I'm Steve Goldshine. And we're glad to have you all with us. Uh, so it's the first week of 2024, and we're kind of getting all of our ducks in a row to do some big things with Musio in the new year. And as we continue to explore the latest technology to add helpful tools for music creators, there's sort of one exploding area of tech that we don't really know what to do with Uh, but it looms large enough that it's unavoidable and that's artificial intelligence ai is kind of a hot button topic especially in the world of music and arts and for good reason there are a ton of questions about it from like you know how it'll impact the way that people learn music to how it affects music professionals all the way down to things like copyright issues regarding the existing music that it's trained on. But despite all of that, it's, uh, it's coming. And in a lot of ways, it's already here. It's sort of like the further integration of AI into the world of music uh, is, is inevitable. So as a music tech company, it's an especially pertinent and nuanced thing that we're kind of obligated in a way to consider. So today we wanted to have a hopefully equally nuanced conversation about it, and it's actually kind of becoming a bit of a theme for the content this month. So like, Mike, you're going to do a vlog uh, later on this month that sort of talks about our thought process around integrating AI into Museo, right? Mm -hmm. But like before, before anyone gets all up in arms about it, I'm just going to go ahead and reiterate, like, we're not sure if we're going to do it or even how we would do it. So it's definitely like not a foregone conclusion.
1: Yeah. So, Um, so Chris, why don't I maybe give some context as to the reason why we're doing this podcast. So last, last year, November 28th, I posted a video on X mostly just to see what people would say. Cause, um, uh, a buddy of mine just made a, a web app, uh, for museo. Basically what it is, is it's a MIDI generator, um, that takes a prompt, uh, and, you know, gives you MIDI data that you can then drag into your DAW and perform the instruments from museo. So it's was like, what it already is possible with the newest tools that open AI made it accessible to non-technical people like myself. And I was able to build this, um, using the, uh, there's like an assistant API. And so my friend and I just made it really easy so that you could just have it as a web app and I made a video just typing in like, you know, uh, you know, a a piece for flute and harp and and like for a fantasy video game or something. Uh, and then it generated the MIDI. I, I showed the video of it playing the music back with the instruments in Museo. I was like, okay, I mean, it's kind of cool. I, I, I was like, that's, I'm, I'm impressed that this was even possible so easily without having to hire some big team, right? So I put it up there to see like, what would people think? And I literally, I wrote, uh-oh, we whipped up an AI MIDI generator web app for Musio. So I posted and I got like a ridiculous amount of comments. Yeah, there were a lot. Like shares yeah. and bookmarks and retweets and all this stuff. And I would say mostly people were cordial, I think, trying to have productive conversation. Some people said, you're going to single-handedly destroy the music industry. Uh, <laughs> some people said, don't do this, Mike. This is horrible. Um, some people said, I think this is really exciting. I want this now. So it was like a real mixture, but it definitely was a heated... And I, I think I launched... I put it out there exactly at a very heated time where everyone mm-hmm. was talking about music and AI and um you know <laughs> that's the best kind of feedback you can get as the owner of a company because you don't know you do stuff in a vacuum most of the time so it was really good to put that out there because it allows us to be like okay what should we actually build if we just yeah. put this out there are we just going to piss everybody off or is it going to be something that's actually useful that people want so that's where we are right now is like this technology is is coming um, for better or for worse there 's going to be pros there 's going to be cons, and I think that 's what we 're going to discuss today yeah and and how do we navigate that and we 're seeing you know a lot of other companies navigating this as well, some are doing it kind of right, some are making big mistakes, so you know this is uh this is why I wanted to have this conversation
0: yeah i mean it 's such a it 's such a new sort of uh like wild west type of tech, just like a lot of tech has been really over the last maybe decade or two but this one's so new and it's developing so fast that it's something that we kind of have to like talk about we're a music tech company right and uh if we don't consider it everybody else is so it's something that's on our plate and in front of us um yeah but yeah and it needs
1: to be a transparent conversation
0: yeah um, absolutely because
1: it's it there's a there's a truth to this that's really uncomfortable and, and yes. i think we need to address that that big change is coming and look I'm, I don't like change and I'm the owner of a company, which is probably a bad combination. Uh, (laughs) You need to change and you need to adapt in order to, because you can't just rest on your laurels, especially if you're creative and can't just think that things that worked for the last five years are going to continue into the future. So yeah, that's, that's kind of part of the the discussion and AI is just one of those things. It's, it's going to be a big change. I don't think it's going to ruin our lives, but we have to adapt. So. Yeah, there are a lot of different ways that it could go. But like, so before we dive
0: into the conversation here, um, just to kind of level set, why don't each of us go around and just give a, a, a brief overview of our own personal feelings about AI? Steve, why don't why don't you start us off?
2: Sure. Um, <clears throat> so my role with Museo is I'm dealing directly with the customers. I run the customer service department and we are getting... The, the feedback, the same kind of feedback that Mike is getting from his, his post on X, <clears throat> all types, you know, we're, we're hearing the full spectrum of of opinions and ideas and wants and hopes and dreams and wishes that uh, things could happen or things that wouldn't happen. And we take it all in. And my perspective on this is heavily informed by that, you know, what, what we're hearing from other people. And as far as my own personal feelings, I I agree with a lot of the hype. I think that AI technology is something that's incredibly cool, incredibly powerful, incredibly fun to play with and to explore and and can do all kinds of crazy things that we couldn't do with with you know the kind of language models that we had a few years ago. I think that there is a lot of fear around what it might do for creative industries like composing and and all of that which may or may not be warranted my i have a, a my my take on this is that for people who need music for media and want to work with a composer are going to work with a composer because they already have other options to get their music for free or for low cost or for or through some other way they can work with a student who's going to do it for peanuts. They can work, they can license music from a music library. They can get music that's public domain. I mean, one of of the best examples of this is Always Sunny in Philadelphia. One of the greatest, one of the longest running series of all time now has uh, very famously used public domain music in their, in their early seasons because they couldn't, uh, they didn't have a music budget. And so it was all, all for free. and, now it's you know I- iconic that that public domain music that has become their theme and that that those options have always existed for for filmmakers and and game developers and and animation producers and people who need these need music for their projects one thing that i think ai will never be able to replace is the type of relationship that you develop as a composer working with a client and working with a director and getting inside each other's minds and helping bring the creative vision to life. If you get a composing gig and you get hired again for the sequel and you get hired again for more projects by the same people, that has more to do with your relationship with those people than it does, I mean, obviously the quality of your work has to be has to be up to snuff for the project too. But ultimately, if you're getting hired and rehired by the same people, it's because they like you and they want to keep working with you
0: yeah definitely how about you mike what uh what's your what are your baseline feelings about ai
1: i think it's cool but what we all thought was we thought it was going to help us do our taxes but the first thing that's come after is the, <laughs> is, uh, is the artists which is the you know we thought that would be the last thing you know oh, it'll never replace you know the visual arts i will say music maybe i'm biased i don't know this could be a biased opinion being a musician myself but music is a, is kind of unique as far as the arts are concerned Um, Mm -hmm. when people listen to music, this is at least how I do When I listen to music, I'm thinking about the creator of that music. I'm usually thinking, Oh, this is, this is inspired, you know, or, or you're thinking about what that person was going through when they wrote it. You know, there's a, there's a human component to it that I think is not really, you can't really achieve with, with AI. Um, you can get close. I think there could be approximations that can simulate. It's going to be, that's what AI is. It's a, it's a, what do you call it an imitator it imitates really well yeah um but we all know like as film composers and steve knows because he's he's done this too you have to be an imitator and i know that like a lot of the stuff that i've written for projects is kind of pho- has been phoned in don't tell anybody that but like sometimes you got to crank it out real <laughs> yeah. fast and it's not always inspired you just gotta okay we want something to sound like this that you know it needs to sound like from this movie or it's tempted with some other exactly. score or whatever yeah you gotta, you're kind of duplicating it and that it yeah you gotta do the like task. a sound alike yeah yeah and it does the job but it's not it's not affecting people's emotions in a deep way you know every once in a while you get a chance to write something that really comes from the heart and uh you know so so maybe ai will be useful for those times where you just need to crank something out that isn't isn't it's just sort of uh, utilitarian music and that'll be that'll be useful but yeah, I mean, that's that's where the rub is, I think, is... Yeah, um, mm.
0: I, I kind of come from, a, a, like, my, my initial position on AI has always been pretty staunchly anti-AI. You know, I have a whole YouTube channel that's called The Art of Sucking at Music that's all about, like, not taking shortcuts and understanding that learning how to play music or learning any skill uh, requires work and it requires time and effort and those kinds of things. However... Uh, lately, especially like working with samples and, and doing those kinds of, uh, like doing the the video stuff and thumbnails and all of that stuff. It's like, I've been using a lot more AI and there are, I, I've, I've been seeing it integrated in certain ways that, um, that support the creator. They don't replace the creator. Um, and I, I, I am actually kind of like in favor of continuing to build tools that support creators. But I also have to realize that that's not exactly the world that we live in. Like it's, it's available to everybody and just as much as, you know, smaller creators like you or me might want to have AI tools that support our process. There's also like big corporations that want to have AI tools that support their bottom line. And so it could go in a lot of different directions, and it probably will go in many different directions at once. Some of them will be positive for music in the arts. Some of them will be negative for music in the arts. And we're just going to have to see uh, which one of those wins out. But I'm, I'm, I'm wary of it, but I'm also understanding or beginning to understand um, the benefits of it, too. But, um, yeah, let's, uh, let's get into it. In the spirit of uh, of a discussion about AI, I thought it would be kind of a fun little twist to guide our conversation using questions that were written by AI. Uh, (laughs) So I logged into ChatGPT and um, I wrote it this prompt and I've got the questions right here. I wrote, can you give me 10 questions to help spark and guide a thoughtful conversation about the nuances and implications of artificial intelligence in music? And, um, I actually got to say like the, the questions that it gave me were pretty, pretty good. So I figured maybe what we can do to guide this podcast is just kind of go through these questions one by one. We'll take them one at a time and, and then we'll just see how far we get, like how many of them we can get through. How do you guys feel about that? Perfect
1: merging of AI and humans. There we go. Right.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, um, how do you think artificial intelligence is reshaping the creative process in music and the arts? And what potential benefits or challenges does it bring to artists? we kind of already talked about this a little bit, but let's we can continue that discussion.
1: I would say in terms of visual arts, it's definitely changing a lot of things with mid journey and um Photoshop obviously has all its built in stuff that can extend the canvas or you can have things added to it mm-hmm. um, Music seems to be the last thing to have been uh, to have adopted or adapted to AI. My friend, uh, Greg Lariman over at, at at Output, they just released a really cool uh, tool uh, for their product, Arcade, which is kind of what they call co-producer, which generates a sample pack for you. Which I think is a really clever way of doing it. You know, you type in a a uh, a prompt, uh, uh, anything, and it will go through their catalog of sounds and generate a, a unique combination of things. And it gives you several options, and then you can kind of choose the starting point that you want to go with. So it. It doesn't, that's it doesn't one... create the samples for you. It
0: sort of aggregates a unique sample pack from pre-existing samples
1: for you. That's, for, that's what I understand. Yeah. I don't want to speak out that's of turn. Cool. Um, like I don't know curation. technically what's happening, but it's something that you, yeah, it's all there because they have so many sounds, right? Right. You know, I applaud them for, for taking that approach at like two, two, you got to wear two hats. You're the owner of a business and you're also a music creator. And so you got to like weigh both of those things and. So that seems to be the right a right way forward i think sure because it's not replacing music creators it's it's actually inspiring them you know it's right. helping you and that like if you think about when you're working with a virtual instrument or a plug-in or something you're, you're you do have a starting point it could be some like really inspiring sound that's just like oh that's really cool that's that's the start of my cue let me just put that down first
0: yeah and then well the there's there's, there's that stuff. and then there's like sequencers as well and stuff like that too where you can kind of you know, or arpeggiators where you can kind of like play a chord and it'll maybe give you a little bit of an idea. Those right. starting point tools have kind of been around for a really long time, for sure.
2: Yeah. yeah. Drum loops and all that, yeah. Because there's yeah so many ways to come up with a musical idea and you can use so many different musical ideas as the foundation of an entire piece. So whether you're starting from a rhythmic perspective with a drum beat or a drum loop, or uh or even a a ostinato pattern on a melodic instrument or if you're starting with a melody or if you're that's you know played on a flute or a violin or a human voice or if you if you're playing through chord progressions and and you know find a chord progression that you like and then starting from any of those places you can build a whole composition based on that starting idea and where mm-hmm. I think there's a really cool opportunity with AI is in developing those ideas. There's uh, there's a, a book by Aaron Copeland, the composer, uh, who he wrote a, a book a, for the layperson as, as a composer called What to Listen for in Music, and it goes through chapter by chapter explaining how to hear rhythm and melody and harmony and tone color and different instrumentations and all of the different ways that composers view these things and use them as the basis for what they do to to create and develop a theme. And he talks about how... A composer starts with a musical idea, and sometimes that inspiration strikes without warning. There's no, you know, sometimes we've all we've all had this experience as music creators, where we come up with some of our best ideas when we're in no way near our studio or in a yeah like place the most to,
0: inopportune time. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. <laughs> in the shower or driving home and stuck in traffic or something, and you know, thank thank goodness for voice memos and being able to to record, uh, you know, say, hum an idea into that, and but. But as a foundation, and now in the world of, of uh, you know, with electronic production and and sample libraries and virtual instruments, we have so many cool sounds at our disposal that never existed in in Aaron Copland's time. Mm-hmm. So we, you can get inspired by a sound effect or, or a musical idea or or a, uh, you know, an arpeggiated synth uh, preset. You know, anything that uh, that you have at your fingertips can be the the basis of a track, and so. An idea that I've had that, that that I that I think that could be really cool for an AI integration is, hey, here's my here's my melody, here's my here's my theme, Rear- rearrange this or reorchestrate this as a 1940s jazz ballad or as a and you know an, a classical. Uh, ballet style piece or in, you know, in the style of a modern film score for an action cue and, and uh, get a bunch of different options for how to further develop that theme. Because sometimes we get stuck in an eight bar loop and we love that eight bar loop. And then when it's time to go to something else, we ruin the entire, (laughs) the entire track and give up on the project and, and uh, maybe come back to it later and Frankenstein it in with something else. But that's one of the ways that I think that there's a cool opportunity to... to... Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, in, in terms of, you know, how uh, how we're seeing it reshape the creative process currently, right? Um, I gave the example of of some of the tools that I've been using. So, like, for instance, when I was working on the Iceland video, I had all of these different interviews that I had conducted with, like, Mike and Santi and Vegar. And um, and it was you know, each interview was like an hour, hour and a half long. So there are these big, you know, conversations where I had to go through and and pick out sound bites and stuff like that and build a story. And normally, the way that you would do that is you would print out the transcripts, and then you would go through manually looking at actual paper with transcripts on it, and you would highlight the sound bites that you want. and then you would take those, put those on a piece of paper, you know, and then arrange them sort of in a way, you know, maybe in your computer or in a Word document, arrange them in a way that tells a story. And then you would have to make sure that you you had the time codes for everything and you knew where everything was within the interview. Um, and then you would go through and you would f- use the time codes to find those bits in the interviews and then put them together in a timeline. One of Premiere's new AI features is it's... Um, It'll, you know, automatically sort of like construct a transcript of each interview for you, which is really cool. Uh, It's not always, it's not always perfect, you know, sometimes it gets words wrong, but for the most part, it's really good. But then they also have this new feature now that's like called text-based editing. So if you have uh, the, you know, the raw interview open and you have the transcript open and you're going through and you're reading through it, looking for something... You can, like, say, uh, you know, I wanted to have a soundbite of someone saying something about the culture of Iceland. I could type in culture, and then it would highlight all of the times that, you know, Mike said culture or cultural or something like that. And then I could find the soundbite that I wanted, and I could highlight from the word that I wanted him to start at to the word that I wanted him to end at, and then grab it from the transcript, so the text, and drag it into into my timeline and it would populate yeah and it would populate the uh the appropriate in and out points for the for the footage i was
1: wondering how you make these videos so fast chris (laughs) that
0: was that's (laughs) so the the uh the iceland video is the only time that i've done that it was the first time that i've I've used it it's a brand new feature in premiere and it's really really cool um so that's one way that i see it reshaping the creative process where i'm like that's super useful right because it's It takes a process that's usually extremely tedious. It's not like it replaces the need to learn how to edit videos. It just makes a certain process of it that's usually very tedious uh, a lot easier and faster. But you still have to be a good video editor (laughs) to use it. You still have to,
2: right. And I think that that brings up an interesting point about how with people talking about how everything is going to change with AI, the the misconception, in my opinion, that it replaces the need for technical skill or knowledge, that is a misconception. Mm-hmm. You still need to understand sure. the concepts and the, the fundamentals of what makes a well-edited video, what makes a good piece of music, what makes a good script with a, with a good story structure that makes these things applicable and pleasing to the human consumer who's at the end of the day the person who's going to ostensibly be paying for this thing that makes makes it worth mm-hmm. putting you know effort into creating that that's still that's not something that's something that you can use ai to learn about and that's something i mean this i'm probably getting ahead of ourselves in in the next nine questions that we've got coming up but one of the best applications is for learning how to how to understand these things better it's not going to be able to teach you how to play piano because it can't it can't move your hands for you and and develop the dexterity and the rhythmic control and the physical motor skills required to do that but it can explain the history of of how a piano that we know as as we know it came to be built and and the construction of it and one of my favorite ways to use chat gpt and ai technology for learning is you can ask it a specific question and get a direct answer and you know it used to be Mm -hmm. you had to google something if you had a specific question you google something and then it gives you a bunch of articles and then you have to comb through the articles and most of the information in those articles goes over your head because the reason I asked the question in the first place is because I don't know anything about this. And so I'm just kind of <laughs> reading through yeah. the article and my eyes are glazing over and I finally see, oh, okay, cool. There was the answer to the thing, but now I have like 10 other questions that came up and I don't have the, the wherewithal to go back through and Google all 10 of them. But I asked chat GPT a question. It gives me an answer and I can go and say, okay, cool. I don't understand this, this, and this that you said, explain more about it. And so- That's, that's been a useful feature. So using that for things like what makes a well edited video, you know, I asked it to describe, you know, what, what describe a perfectly tailored suit, you know, all these, all these Mm -hmm. things that you can, can have it do to, uh, Explain these things because it's trained on material that humans have have put into it about how to describe these things well and uh, simplify them and and make them understandable. Well, and these are these
0: are sort of all examples of of ways that we've seen um, AI more or less positively impact or reshape the creative process. But there are also ways I think you know that it can and and in some ways maybe has negatively impacted the creative process, right? So like graphic design would probably be the most immediate example for me right now because, you know, especially since I've been I've been spending a lot of time in mid-journey lately, because Mm -hmm. thumbnails are something that take a lot of of time to do. And sometimes it can be helpful to go into mid-journey and just type in a few prompts and see what it spits out to see if you find anything cool. And generally like the way that I use it is is in a in sort of a A more baseline way. So like the cover image of this podcast, you know, what I did was I went into mid journey and instead of going through like Adobe stock to, to find an image of a woman from a side profile that I could use and then, you know, put into Photoshop and do that kind of thing. I just typed it in and it gave me one that, that I didn't have to pay for from Adobe stock or something like that. And then I took it and I put it into Photoshop and I, and then I did my thing from there. But A lot of people can use and will use and are using things like mid journey and image generation to replace graphic design, right? Or or having to learn graphic design chops, having to learn photography. I don't feel like that has necessarily bled over into music quite yet, but it sort of inevitably will partially, you know, in the ways, Mike, that we explored with that web app, right? like how do you how do you see it reshaping the world of music like are there other examples that you guys have seen of how it's reshaping music or the creative arts in a negative way
1: no i mean i think that there's some things out there that are just simply music generators like <clears throat> you know um google has one has another mm-hmm. one called suno which just came out i i mean i personally i, I don't understand how that how that will Uh, work because who's gonna listen i mean gosh i sound like like an old person here but like who's gonna listen to like hey i just need something that's just a certain style of music and just play but but, but
0: mike we're kind of already there i mean like if you if you listen to
1: pop music and stuff like that are people listening to this stuff i mean like my kids don't or maybe they're just because they're my kids and they have good music taste. I make sure of that. <laughs> but like, yeah, I saw some of these ads for this stuff where you just type in a prompt and, and you get like, I just want like, uh, I'm walking down the street and I need like a hip hop groove or something. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, but what, wouldn't you rather listen to something that's been produced and like thought thought through? Well,
0: one of, one of the things that, that comes to mind with me, and this has been sort of one of my gripes with it for a while, is looking at the industry, the music industry, and this probably goes more for contemporary music, but it could also go for, uh, composing and things like that. But one of my main gripes has been, if you look at sort of the landscape of contemporary music today and what's popular, so much of it is mechanical, right? Yeah. It's all formula. It's all, all of these things. And that, that's what sells because I think that when you look at the broader culture of music consumption, over the last couple of decades or few decades, music has kind of become more of a secondary thing. You know, it used to be uh, like a primary activity. You would put on a record, you know, you'd, you'd put on side A of a record, you'd drop the needle and you would sit and you would listen to the music. It was a, a primary engaging activity. Now music has become something that it's like, I just need a good beat in the background while I, right. you know, put on my makeup and brush my teeth and get ready to go to the club or things like that. And so when I look at that, uh, aspect of popular music today, especially, I could see a world in which, you know, record labels, uh, cut out the artists entirely. And, and they've already tried to do this, right? Like there are some AI Hmm. artists that have been signed to record labels. I don't know where all that landed, Um, the ones who have the power to sort of uh, dictate where it goes are the ones who stand to gain the most money from it. Right. Right. The corporations and the record labels and stuff like that. So that's, so Mike and, you know, in, in terms of what you were talking about there, it's like, I think you and I can say, yeah, when we listen to music, we really listen to the artists and we think about where they were coming from and, And we hear the, you know, the arrangement and the orchestration and all of those things. A lot of people don't. And that's not what's selling super, super hard these days either, right? Yeah. No, I I I think there's room
1: for all of it. I don't want to disparage it. I just personally wouldn't listen to it. I don't know. There's room for all of these kinds of things. But I think, like, I don't know, there's there's this thing called music that withstands the test of time. And will AI-generated music, like become iconic and that like 30, 40 years from now become classic hits, you know? And yeah. that's a question. Will we will yeah. we listen to it the way we listen to like Led, Zepp, Led Zeppelin or, or um, you know, some of the Beatles or something? Well, I,
0: I have a question for you, Mike. In, in the last, since the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s, and this isn't an AI-based question, but since the late 90s, early 2000s, are there any artists that you can identify that have created music That you think will last the test of time and that we'll look back on in, you know, 50 years in the same way that we look back on Led Zeppelin or The Who or The Beatles, (laughs) things like that.
2: Yeah,
1: I, I think it's definitely a small list. (laughs) <laughs> you know. um, are
2: you saying since the 90s and 2000s like excluding the 90s and two because i've been on a 90s and 2000s kick lately and there's yeah ex- there's excluding a line, you know. i think yeah, yeah my
0: my personal opinion is that the the 90s and 2000s were sort of the last era of the legendary uh I, yeah. bands or music creations music no you're I, right you're right yeah. i mean no it,
2: i agree with that assessment chris because i think there's I think it comes back to uh something you were saying earlier about how music, listening to music was kind of a primary activity when you would put on the record and listen to it. And then the evolution of that was then, I guess it came first, but the radio, but that I mean, 90s, 2000s, the radio was one of the primary ways that people listened to music. And the the advent of streaming with Spotify and Apple music has really changed uh, the way that music is created now. And, and, uh, and then, you know, TikTok has, has further uh, gone down that hole because in, in the nineties and two thousands, the ideal song length to be played on the radio was about three and a half minutes. So most Mm -hmm. of the music that was being produced and, and written by, by bands, similar sounds, similar instrumentations, similar types of beats and chord progressions and, and, uh, you know, guitar tones and vocal effects and things that they were using and part of the reason for that was the radio stations liked that because that was what kept people listening so that then they could get them in, get the commercials in front of them and and that's uh that was the driver there then with streaming and the monetization of being paid per play, but being paid an extremely small amount of money per play, that, that yeah. was the, uh, the beginning of shrinking of people's attention spans. You know, you can't write, you can't, you know, you don't see many, many prog rock bands putting out eight and a half minute tracks, uh, on, on Spotify anymore because, it's really hard to get someone to sit and listen to that and and get paid point oh 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 two cents for for one stream all the way through, so <laughs> now we've seen things get down to you know two to two and a half minutes or and and you see bands releasing the same track as a single and then they'll release two more tracks and then put them together on a single and it'll be a different album so that you can stream all three of them differently. And then they'll put out an album of, of songs and all three of those tracks from the two singles will be on that album. So they're getting basically triple income streams out of the same, the same songs. And I can't begrudge them for that. I listen to a lot of bands that do that and, and it works and it's what they kind of have to do to, to, make it you know make it work for them and now we're in a in a in a social media environment where people are scrolling through at a rate of about 10 seconds per video or less of, of things that they're watching and so songs are are literally sped up and and shortened and and uh you know made to be as easy easy to digest as possible and not and just kind of attention grabbing um, yeah. so yeah, I think that part of what w- the AI change there is, you know, it's, it, they can generate 10 seconds of, of something just to quickly throw onto your TikTok video, or your Instagram reel,
0: which I think is that to me, that's fine. Like, you know, if sure. you just need 10, 10, seconds of music to throw under your TikTok reel, go for yeah. it. But right. if a, if a record label wants to create three minutes of, uh, the next hit single,
2: Right. Uh,
0: Or if a production company wants to create, you know, a a two and a half minute cue that fits their scene perfectly, then that's where it starts to get a little tricky, right?
2: Yeah. I I don't see them putting out now that's what I call music 237 and it's just 140 (laughs) 15 second tracks.
0: Oh my God. I remember those CDs. Right. (laughs) Uh, the next question, and it's this. This question is sort of like the one we just answered. It's uh, in what ways have you observed AI being used in the creation of music or artistic expressions, and how does it compare tra- to traditional methods? And I, I feel like we kind of talked about that already. So I'm gonna I'm gonna rephrase this or restructure this a little bit for people who are just getting into music um, with these AI tools available. Um, how is that going to sort of impact their musical journey? And how do you think that that contrasts with sort of the more traditional way to learn music?
1: Yeah. Well, I think overall we're, we're seeing this trend from, you know, going back to the 90s where most people were just consumers of music and creators of music were sort of a very small subset. You know, you needed a proper studio and all of this stuff and a budget to, to create music. And it's been democratized with technology mm-hmm. where there's some incredible music just being written today in home studios. Um, the downside obviously is there's no big machine, uh, behind it all to, to get it out there. But I think we're going to see even more of that sort of where music creation becomes, uh, more accessible to more people. And I think AI is just a part of that. I mean, it's, um, I think people are still going to want to compose and write music, you know, the old-fashioned way. And by old-fashioned, I mean with a sequencer and with a DAW <laughs> yeah. and with right. uh, and, and MIDI and sample libraries, um, because there's something uh, really uh, I- enjoyable about just composing. I mean, you yeah. you you know, creating is is a, is an act, and it's something that we just really love as humans. And I think AI is just there to be the assistant to help us and um you you don't get that experience if you're just typing a prompt in and then you're getting something i don't feel that when i'm working with mid-journey it's more like Mm -hmm, a toy it's like this fun magic trick that's cool but i don't feel like i've expressed that uh creative gene you know and that's something that's going to be true in 10 years 50 years 100 years from now humans are creative by their nature and there's something about that process sort of even the painstaking process of making minute decisions about in this case what your velocity should be on the c-sharp or whatever like uh that kind of stuff is always going to be um something that people want to do so i guess to answer the question i guess more people are going to be making music there's going to be just more of that do you um, think it's that
0: like more people will be making music but less people will be learning how to make music so like if um, let's say let's say prompt prompt based uh music generation or midi generation becomes a thing and that becomes, you know, a way that people start to interact with music. Do you see that as a as a road to more people playing music who don't actually know how to play music? Or do you see that as an inroad for I, yeah, people to get I, curious? You said it.
1: You said it. I, I'd see it more as an inroad, a gateway drug, if you will, to sure. music creation. Like for example, there's a great company. They're doing something called uh, Wav, it's called WAV Tool, and they have a DAW that's an AI DAW. And you can just you can know nothing about how to work with a sequencer, but you just type a prompt in, and it could do everything for you. But I still think that you'll still want to dive in. You'll be like I'm just being just out of curiosity to dive in and edit things, or maybe change the EQ and all this to make it your your own. Yeah. So I would say to answer the question, gateway drug. That's what I see AI as. Yeah. Like humans aren't, there's this like this, this desire. I mean, I'm getting philosophical here, but I think that there's something, there's a driving force inside of us that wants to be creative. And yeah. that uh, AI alone won't satisfy. Sure. There'll be people that get, get up, you know, just type a prompt and get the music back. And like, yeah, oh, that's cool. And then they go on with their lives. Not every human on earth wants to make music. That's mm. that's a false thing. I think that there's like a lot of these tech companies are saying, we're gonna make everyone on earth make music. And yeah. I, that's silly. That's just, I, know, just like, I know some why. people just don't want to do it. Like it's <laughs> yeah. not they just wanna listen, or maybe music's not something that believe it or not, there are people that walk the earth that don't like music. Can you believe yeah.
2: that? I a one one very strange. Yeah. But yeah. It's, yeah. I was just gonna say I agree completely that it's it's a gateway because I think with Prompt With prompt engineering, you need to know to an extent what you're doing. And even if you are just completely flying blind saying, give me some music that sounds like this song, it, it may do it, but, but everyone hears music differently. Everyone has different things that they latch onto in music, even people who are highly trained and highly knowledgeable and can can identify people with perfect pitch who can hear exactly what notes are being played and, and are accomplished orchestrators and, and arrangers and know exactly what instruments are being used and, and producers who know exactly what you know compression settings are, are being applied and, and all of that. Um there's there are so many nuances and so many aspects to music that that people can latch onto and that they hear differently and it's informed by so many things it's informed by what instruments we first learn to play like for example i i'm a saxophone player that's my primary instrument growing up so playing monophonic woodwind instruments I can identify chords. I can, I you know, I I know all my music theory. I can, I can hear you know, play a chord. I'll tell you what it is. But I'm, I I can't transcribe things harmonically on the piano. My keyboard skills aren't aren't quite there. You know, I don't have the the two handed uh, ability that that you know someone like Mike or or uh, or one of the one of the other pianists on our team can can do, uh, or that you know you as a guitar player, Chris can can I'm sure identify you know and. and go through chord progressions uh so i relate more to the melody and the rhythm aspects of of music because those are what those are what i first learned to identify through my own musical training i uh i know that other people you know drummers can, can have have a more perfect sense of time uh violinists and string players have a have a an unbelievable sense of pitch and vibrato and timing and and melodic shape and structure, same with vocalists um, you know keyboard players have have a great sense of harmonic rhythm and and uh, voicings and and being able to hear multiple musical parts going on at the same time. The layperson who who's just kind of messing around with the text prompt. They may not have any idea when they get they get the result back from the prompt that they enter. They may not know how to get it closer to what they actually want because the AI engine thought, "Oh, you want a you want a song that sounds like this. You must want something that sounds like this vocal melody." But what the what the person really yeah. had in mind was, "No, I want something like this drum beat." But they might not not even know how to how to express that or or uh, dial that in. They may be able to use that as a learning avenue to to figure that out and to dig more deeply into that and to identify and to start to recognize, oh, that's what people mean when they talk about chord progressions. That's what people mean when they talk about vocal harmonies or things like that, you know, and they start to recognize all of these different things, you know, a lot of people, uh, have, you know, many people have trouble identifying different instruments. They don't know the difference between an oboe and and an acoustic guitar, if they hear it, you know I mean? They, they, if you point it out, they could, they'll, they'll, they'll know their different sounds of course, but you know, not everyone can just hear an instrument. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And
1: I think that, but that, that that's exciting to know that someone will start on that journey yeah, like absolutely of course, i didn't know what the difference between an oboe and a, and a guitar was when i was right. 10 years old you know no exactly I, I learned and I'll, i just think that people are going to want to learn people want to yeah. dive deeper and grow and improve and instruments will always be around for like forever people the right, pianos right. a wooden piano will always be around a cello mm-hmm. will and people will want to learn to play a cello even though you know you can just you know, in the future who knows 100 years from now why would you need to know how to play the cello because it's right. it just there's something awesome about performing and learning how to do something i just started getting into cubing why learn how to solve a rubik's cube that's <laughs> the, like <laughs> seems like the way but it's super it's, fun it's an
0: algorithm mike right. it's an algorithm, it's, an algorithm.
1: <laughs> it's like a it's a weird art form you know these Super nerds who can do this stuff in five seconds, but a computer can solve a Rubik's cube faster than any human. Why should humans learn how to do that? You know.
0: Well, I, I think I, you know, I think it's it's you know, just like everything else, including music, tech, and AI, and all this stuff. It's pretty nuanced, right? Because if you go back yeah. to like hip hop and the introduction of of sampling, using using sampling other people's music in your music, right? Uh, would that be like the beginning of the '80s? Kind of. A lot of people were saying that's not playing music that's not, that's not music making, right? right? When sequencers and synthesizers came out, that's not music. That's not music making. That's programming. Yeah. Yeah. And today, today we have people that started out or got into music by literally using a mouse and a keyboard, not a music keyboard, but a computer keyboard and uh, penciled in MIDI notes into the piano roll. And some of those people, may have gone and learned a piano and may have gone and learned an instrument and then some of those people might still just be or are still just you know penciling in MIDI notes into into a uh, into a piano roll so i that's think it's I like that's
2: how i do most of mine <laughs> and i do know i do know how to do it but i
0: <laughs> like anything else it's going to be you know a uh, a spectrum right and there are yeah. and there's going to be a whole new sector of like professional musicians that come out that are text-based prompt musicians right if that's if that's the form of ai in music that that emerges um Mm -hmm. you know just like there are djs who perform large large concerts for thousands and thousands of people who didn't play a single musical note in their lives right 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 right. um that's a big assumption Uh, djs you're fine i'm not judging you it's okay but it's no, all but it's, different it, yeah
1: it's become it's an art point. form it used to be disparaged yeah. but now it's like
2: my my yeah. alma mater berkeley college of music has they they now recognize laptop as a principal instrument you can you can go and and learn how to use ableton live and other software as your your primary means of of relating to and creating music
0: yeah, isn't that wild? And then so think about that—you know—ten years from now, where Berkeley College of Music has a class that's text-based prompt music writing. Yeah,
2: like they teach, might already that have teaches, that class. It's I more of
0: a—it's more of a writing class. Yeah, it's right. more of like a literature class than it is yep. a music class. That's pretty wild, guys. Like we're we're two questions in, right? And, uh, we're already 53 minutes into this. Um, so, so maybe we'll do, maybe we'll do one more question, uh, from, from chat GPT. And then I I have a question of my own as well. Um, do you think that AI could truly understand and evoke emotions in art
2: Hmm. and how does
0: the emotional, the emotional aspect how does the emotional aspect of uh, artistic creation change when AI is involved?
2: Mm, talk about philosophical.
0: That's what podcasts are for, man.
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough
1: one because it can create, it can create a chord progression for you, which can mm-hmm. evoke a certain emotion. There's your emotion. But like, oh gosh, I don't know. Like when you think of uh, what film composers do, or game composers, their job is basically using music as a way to manipulate emotions. And this mm-hmm. is just sort of like, there's this bag of tricks you can go, you know, there's like 86 different things you can do using uh, chord progressions, using instrumentation, using melody to achieve certain or to evoke certain emotions. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that a, I could certainly learn that bag of tricks, but yeah, I don't know. This is like, who the heck knows? Um, can well, will is there a limit to that? You know, well, could it, it create something that like John Williams could create? I don't know. Um, I don't think so. Well, that's maybe. Yeah,
2: because I mean that that bag of tricks. That's th- the training that composers undergo. We we describe those things to each other. We express this is what you know. This is how you evoke a feeling of dramatic suspense, or you you know, romance, or or joy, or you know, this is a, a sound that that makes you feel. At peace or or uh, fired up for action. I think that AI can can understand how to take that in and then regurgitate it basically. And and because as you said earlier, Mike, it's an imitator. It can it it understands the X mm. means X, Y means Y. These are these are the things that it can take in with that uh, that information that it's given and and retain that and and. Uh, find, you know, and, and put it back out with similar patterns. I don't think it, it, what what we describe as human emotion and and feeling, it's a physical experience. It's a, it's a psychological experience. It's something that has so much to do with, with physiological factors that computers just don't have. And, and that, that AI language models don't, they don't have, the hormones and brain chemistry and, 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 you know, psychological experiences that we do, but it can, it can imitate it. And yeah, the, going back to the idea, the musical idea that someone like John Williams can come up with, that's something that, that comes from an unknown place. It doesn't really, uh, there's no way to kind of predict it. There's no way to, to, uh, Make it happen when you need it to happen, it, it, and that's why uh, the concept of talent and and all of that is so you know prevalent. And yeah, you know.
1: I think we're touching on the difference between originality and imitation. And I remember one of the fir- like when I was first starting out as a composer, and I I got my first project, and I basically like scored it, and it sounded like Alan Silvestri, Back to the Future, and I was using all the kind of tricks that Alan Silvestri uses in that movie, mostly octatonic scales, and you know all these things. And we actually recorded it with a live orchestra. I was super proud of it. And I sent it to a composer, Joel, Joel McNeely, who was somebody I was kind of working with early in the early 2000s. And he gave me really very uh, direct advice. And he says, don't be an imitator. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. he, didn't, he, did, he thought it was very well written and everything. But he's like, this is just an imitation. Mm-hmm. Do something original. And that's probably why I never won an Academy Award. I'm not like a famous composer. Because I got really good at imitating. That's what I did. Right and but the guys that have really succeeded, I found, had a voice that was original. And so that's the question: Can AI be purely original without just um, being an imitator?
0: Well, right? and I, I think too, I think too, it it like the the subject of human of the human quality of music and art and stuff like that comes down to e- even a more granular level than. Uh, arrangement or chord structure or things like that, like, or originality, right? Like coming down to the idea of how somebody plays an instrument. So to use an example here, like you can take a solo cello from one of Museo's, like from Cine Strings, one of the Cine Strings libraries, or you can take a solo cello from Tina Guo's cello, right? And they're going to sound very different because of the way that Tina Guo plays her cello that's what makes her library unique and just and her style unique the way that she plays and i remember watching this um uh this youtube video do you guys know who rick beato is on youtube mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm, like yeah. one of the one of the biggest music youtubers but he was he was he did this video where he was analyzing john bonham's drum tracks from for when the levy breaks oh yeah and what makes it so unique and then he takes it and he quantizes it and as soon as it's quantized it no longer sounds like John Bonham right mm-hmm. because the thing that makes a group of people playing together human is the imperfection is yeah. the, the 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 imperfection that you can't you can't fabricate you know it's the things that happen in a moment when you're playing together That you can't replicate, you can't plan for it, you know, things like when you're you're a bunch of people playing together you have all of these different elements going on and everyone's going to make mistakes like things are going to go wrong or something's going to change, someone's going to slow down or someone's going to speed up and you're all listening to each other and you have to kind of like it's this dance that happens between people and even as good as the technology gets I don't think that it could ever get to the point where it's emulating that breath of movement that happens between people playing music, right? Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. even, even when it comes down to like how good sample libraries have gotten, how good digital recording has gotten, you know, and you can make something that sounds like professionally recorded in your bedroom. I, I scored an Emmy award winning ESPN documentary in my bedroom at my dad's house. That's <laughs> that's how, you know, that's how good tech has gotten. But even with all of those advancements in technology that we've seen over the last 20 years, you still kind of can't supplement putting five people in a band in a room and having them play live together. Even the process of tracking, tracking separately, right? Yeah. Changes the way that something sounds. And it's different than if you have people in playing live together. So I don't think that we'll ever get to that point. I don't think that, um, I I think that those are the parts of, of music, you know, that lightning in a bottle thing that happens, whether, whether it's Soundgarden or, you know, Nirvana. And I'm, I'm on this nineties kick now because we were talking about it, but like it's capturing lightning in a bottle and that's the piece, that human element of it, that's the piece that, that moves people emotionally when they listen to music. And so, at least from my perspective. And so, like, I don't think that, that technology and computers will ever get there. I don't think that we'll ever be able to fully emulate the organic nature of, of uh, musicians <laughs> playing instruments. Um, I hope you're right, Chris. I mean,
2: that's... I think that's, you know, I I think that's, that's everyone's I know. hope.
1: I hope. Yeah. It's,
2: I mean, it's what yeah. you were saying earlier, Mike, about the fun, the, 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 in the moment, the creativity, the, the part that we enjoy as humans. Uh, we don't want, I don't think anybody wants computers to take that part away from us. But as you were just talking, Chris, I did, I did have a, you know, it would be fun to see people put five laptops in a room together and, and create some system where they're they're generating and listening to each other and, and you know an AI jam band going on. I think uh, you know that, that's that I'd I'd watch I'd watch that right. once for the novelty
0: i think actually you know what mike i think that's a good idea maybe we should use that web app and try and figure out a way to like daisy chain five of our computers together and we can like do an ai an ai jam real time
2: it's just it's just feedback it's just an ai feedback loop yeah (laughs) Yeah.
0: well we're coming we're coming up on on the hour here Um, and we've gotten through three questions. So I think that's, that's, that means that, uh, chat GPT did a very good job of, uh, writing questions to prompt a thoughtful conversation about AI, because it was so thoughtful that we could only answer three of those questions. But I do have one question of my own and it's, it's maybe like less of a question and more of a discussion, you know, as we said, sort of at the top of this episode, we're a music tech company. We're focused on providing tools that help music creators create music. Mm -hmm. Uh, And being that AI is such a big direction that things are going, you know, we have to consider it at the very least. We don't know if we're going to implement it. uh, And if we do how we would implement it. Um, But it's something that we have to talk about. And that's sort of what this whole discussion is about. So I just wanted to like talk about, you know, ways that we think we might if we do implement AI, um, what are the considerations that we have when talking, when having that discussion in terms of our own product, in terms of Museo? Uh, what could those things look like and and what do we want to make sure that we do right
1: with it? I think that it's more of a figuring out what do people want and keeping that open dialogue. The thing is, we, we're building something for people. We're not going to just build something totally in a vacuum and just be like, "This is what you're going to use. Good luck." And right. that's one of the best things about Musio is that there's all this like feedback. There's a feedback button in the in the app that you can just you, you talk to the team and and we respond and and apply apply the feedback pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that there should be something. I just don't know what. Uh, the, there's also limitations. I mean, Museo is a plugin that runs in a DAW, right? So there's like limitations right there uh, the, with with what you can do. Um, for me, like when I was just trying to figure this out, I think that having some kind of a MIDI generator would be could be useful. Uh, one that could, you know, basically take the information that's already being played and and then offer you something that you can add, it's like, hey, can you add a um, a staccato string line to this or could you add a drum loop or give give me a 8 bar drum loop for this using you know and then it can pull up one of the many drum kits that we have and just drag it in have it uh, actually um listen to the midi cuz it could do that right. it's, it's performing the midi so there's no reason why it can't listen just like have it listen to a section and then say, hey, could you make the strings a little bit more emotive, you know, right. and it could draw hairpins in there or it can just fix the MIDI and clean it up so it's a little bit better. Or, hey, could you revoice these low strings so that they sound a little bigger and better, you know, stuff like that yeah. that just takes time that no one wants to sit and mess with. I think that there's something there. If it saves composers time so that they could focus on being creative, I think that that we're that we being help- helpful. But if it's something that's just generating something out of nowhere, and the composer is a secondary thought, that's probably not the right direction.
0: And how, how do you guard against that? So, like, what are you know, if you yeah. if you create a um, a text based prompt MIDI generating uh, AI program, and we include it in Museum, what are some things that you can put into place, you know, that encourage it to be more of a a tool? like you're saying, whether it's for an idea or a starting point um, or to sort of like help move things along, like with Premiere and the text-based editing, what are some things that you put in place or can put in place that can guard against it becoming just like something where people are just generating uh, stuff for commercial use and just relying on it as a, as a creative, as, as the thing creating it
1: and replacing yeah. the composer? I think that's the touch point. That's the point that makes people concerned. You know, that's why we hit the pause button on it. Yeah. It, you know, it just seemed like, oh, this is not so, yeah, I, I don't know. Because if you have if you have a MIDI generator, people are gonna wanna just be like, give me a piece of music that does a thing and then drag it in and play with it and add okay. something to it. And I don't know, I wouldn't wanna limit it. I would just say, hey, if you want that, here it is. It does that functionality. If you don't, don't use it. I wonder if there's a way to like, um,
0: you know, because like Museo, our it's a tool for musicians that's what we that's what we're giving people right and um mm-hmm. and we're trying to support people in their creative process and one of the things uh that can be very supportive in the creative process is finding ideas because like the the days of creating something original truly original are over you can't you can't yeah. write anything without plagiarizing somebody because it all comes from somewhere we're all ripping each other off to some degree right. um You know, and and when you're composing something, let's say you hit a roadblock or some, you know, a writer's block, which is inevitable. You're always going to do that. Um, What do you do? You go for a walk. Maybe you listen to something to try and get an idea from somewhere to for somewhere to start. And having AI as a tool to sort of supplement for that instead of instead of getting your idea from a John Williams piece you're typing something into AI and it's generating something that's an idea for you, and then you can take it from there. The The risk is people start composing with purely, you know, or the majority of things being text-based prompts, right? So maybe, you know, like what if there was a way to uh, watermark anything that was generated with AI? And to say, you know, somewhere in there like this cannot be used for commercial use, you know, it's purely here to be an idea generator or something to help you start an idea or shape something a little bit better or something like
2: that. I think those legal guardrails already exist in a lot of in a lot of ways. I th- And in my in my view, I think the the limitations are kind of automatically created by the the fact that people need to know what they're doing with a text prompt in the first place you know they could they could just say write me a cue that sounds exactly like this piece by Hans Zimmer or whatever um but that but by its very nature they know that they they would know in that situation that they are directly ripping someone off and Mm -hmm. the my I I, I'm not you know a legal scholar I don't know the, the details of all it but my understanding is ai generated work can't be copyrighted and that's you know that that's a uh a, a, you know the legal basis for being able to to properly monetize something in the first place um and i think that um as far as guardrails that that's we can, true right? yeah i mean, it may not be don't, don't again i'm not i i, 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 not I think it Do might not, not be i
0: mean i the the, uh, like, the whole writer's strike and the whole uh, actor's well, strikes yeah. that just ended in L.A., those were all about AI-generated scripts. Absolutely. And then, like, for actors, yeah. they just wanted to have, bring in background actors and scan their faces to be able yeah. to use them in perpetuity. Right. So I, I think that there are very few legal guardrails against, uh, against AI right now because it's so new and we're mm. sort of trying to figure out our way with it. Yeah.
1: Well, the copyright law and all, it's going to drag way behind any
0: advancements yeah. oh yeah yeah we still we still haven't figured out how to regulate facebook how long's that yeah. been out right i
2: know yeah, right. yeah. As, i mean as far as guardrails that that we could put on it i like i i agree with what you said mike you know that we don't There's not really any and there's not really any that we that we need to, you know, we're kind of we're kind of expecting people to act in good faith anyway, because people could already use a lot of our products to make a make a cover of something that that is technically a a violation of a copyrighted piece of music and and all of that. Yeah,
1: I wouldn't put I don't think you'd put any guardrails on it It, because like you would just say, hey, if you create something with this using the AI generator, you own it and you can monetize it to your benefit, you know, and I think that's more for like pro composer. Well, then how um, do you, how do you speak to, you know, the, the
0: concerns of other composers, like say, you know, cause the composer, the, the composer market, as we all know, is, is pretty, it's, it's pretty competitive. There are a lot of people trying to be composers and you do have to currently know how to compose something in order to compete in that market and find work. Mm-hmm. So what if you, you know, now you're opening the door. This is just me playing devil's advocate here just to just to spice up the conversation in this in this uh area. Currently, it's it's probably that, you know, no text-based uh generation of music will be very competitive in the space of film composing, but as the technology develops, you know, you never know how good it might get at these things. And copyright aside, Steve, like maybe you're not saying, you know, compose me something, uh, that sounds exactly like Hans Zimmer, but you are composing something using entirely text-based prompts. Mm. You know, how do we speak to the creative people who are, you know, using Museo or who want to use Museo to compose music themselves? How do we speak to their fears of, you know, the market becoming more competitive because it's more saturated with people?
1: Yeah, I think that's gonna. What we're seeing actually is from um, companies, game companies. Um, I, I've seen contracts now mm-hmm. where they're they're putting in uh, clauses, AI clauses, saying you can't use any AI generated music because as a company, we've hired you, the human, to make it, and I'm paying a mm-hmm. particular premium to have you. So I don't want you cheating and using <laughs> AI. Like I want you so. I think that's probably, if that, if that expands, that could be really good. I could, I could use AI and, and just do it myself. But if I want a human, I'm going to put that clause in there. So maybe that's yeah, yeah. That part of the, I mean, but like this idea, like, and I see this a lot on, on X where people are like, we need to do, like, start a movement and we need to change things and like cause some kind of big thing to happen. I don't think that's, that's possible. You know what I mean? Yeah. Eric.
2: For me, for me, it comes back to what I said at, at the top of the the discussion of the the options for that have already existed. You know, the options for for not using a computer, using a composer, and getting the music from something that is now equivalent. Uh, you know, AI is an equivalent. Those have already existed, and. If you want to get work as a composer, it's about the relationships that you develop with filmmakers and and content creators who need who need human generated music and human and and want to work with you and want to uh, have your unique imprint and and your voice and your uh, your contribution as as a person to the project and to the collaborative effort. Uh, and I think that that's something that's not really going away. I think that even with how starved the streaming services are for content and how they're just green lighting everything and, and, you know, and trying to, trying to get as many movies and shows and and things out there as possible. There are still tons of independent game developers, independent filmmakers, independent web series creators who are looking to create art for the sake of creating art and, and to make movies and games and, and animated games, content and things that they that that are important to them and part of what makes it important to them is the fact that other humans were involved in it and and people came together to create something that's greater than the sum of its parts and i think that that's something that you know it's the same kind of same kind of concerns that people had when uh, when sample libraries came onto the, uh, the the scene, and and people said, "Oh, mm. this is going to put orchestra musicians out of work. No one's going to no one's going to want to record live musicians anymore." And that's not that that hasn't really been the case. I mean, sure, maybe there's been the opposite has happened. Yeah, exactly, because people because there's more orchestra the recording mock-up. now than
1: any time in history. Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah, people people make the mock up and they show it to the director and they say we need to get this recorded.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think I think that there's there's something to be said about that for sure. And but, but I also think that there's I think it would be wise to be a little bit cautious about comparing the types of technology that we're playing with now to the types of technology that we were playing with in the past and things that have for come sure. out. I think that there are a lot of things that we can learn from that, but like a prime example is You know, in the conversation of social media, a lot of people compare social media and the worry that people have about it to television when television first came out, right? But there's a big difference. Like, you know, people were really worried about TV and how it would impact society. And the truth is, is that a lot of the ways that they worried it would, you know, did happen. But like, there's a really big difference between social media and television, because television you know, was something that you still had to go to, right? Mm-hmm. Social media is an entirely different technology with an entirely different, um, powerful attention holding, uh, algorithm behind it. And it, and it has the ability to get you to pick it up when it wants you to. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's totally different. When we, yeah. when social media first started coming out, like, everyone was like, this is great. It's going to connect everybody. It's going to help everybody get connected around the world and, and bring everyone closer. And then there were all of these implications uh, that we could not foresee because it was mm-hmm. a technology that we did not understand fully, right? I think the same can be said about AI. Like, I don't worry about AI becoming sentient or anything like that. Hmm. But we've already seen, you know, again, in the, in the world of, of uh, social media... We've already seen how AI and deep learning algorithms and things like that have negatively affected society as a whole, mm, right? Yeah. In a lot of different sure. ways, in ways that we never would have thought. I'm not saying that that's the exact same thing as the way that it would interact with the arts, but I think it, we have to take into account the fact that we, there, there are ways that this is going to play out in the arts, inevitably that there's no way for us to know that now and that there are going to be, because we're all human, there are going to be negative impacts and negative ways in which it's used, uh, in, in music and the arts. The reason why it's important for us to have this conversation is because we are actually in a position, you know, Mike, back to what you were saying about people on Twitter, um, you know, saying we need to do something, you know, maybe they don't, but we, we certainly do. We need to decide, like, how how are we going to implement it to sort of be the ones to maybe show the ways that it can be used positively to support creative people and not replace creative people, right?
2: Yeah. I, I, I think the social media analogy is a really good one because it's it's about the egalitarian nature of it. It's, it's, it's accessible to everybody. And it, it was... I remember when social media first came out, you know, I I remember before smartphones, when the computer was, there was one computer in the house and the internet was a place that you went and you were there when you were there and then you left and you were, and it wasn't, it didn't follow you around in your pocket. And you're, you're exactly right that with the widespread availability of, of AI technology and all the different ways that anyone can, can think to, to use it and to interact with it there's a lot of implications that we can't foresee and can't predict and, and a lot of things that people will use. Um, but I wanna go back to uh, touching on the, uh, how we could use it and how we can we can implement it. Something that, that I was thinking about when you were uh, describing it as as an assistive tool, Mike, one of the things that that's come to mind, and this is probably a discussion to have in a meeting and, and everything, but uh, one of the ways that, that it could be cool is, hey, here's this melody that I've written, what are the, I'm, I'm just using the, the sustain patch and, and here are the notes that I have. What are the best articulations to use instead of, instead of just, you know, having it be sustained notes, you know, what, which of these notes should be spiccato or staccato or marcato instead, or, uh, what, what are the, you know, what, what are the best ways to get the most realistic performance based on the samples that we have available because we recorded all those articulations and, and the process of going through and, and changing the, you know, each one to be each note in your, your sequence to be the right articulation and then shifting it a little bit to fit the, the timing it's tedious and it's time consuming and it's important to do if you want a really high quality result, but it's also the kind of thing that could be effectively replaced or not replaced, but augmented and, and, uh, finessed by AI technology. So, but again, it's something that you that's have actually to cool. know, right? Yeah, it's kind of, kind of, it would be kind of yeah, a neat that's thing. A, it's,
0: it's a, that's, it's both, it's both assistive and educational, right? Right. Because right. maybe it would teach you something that you never would have thought of before.
2: Yeah. Because a lot of people, what, you know, what is, what does Colenio even mean? You know, <laughs> what is, uh, what, when, when, when would I even use this? What is, how do you even pronounce Sforzando? You know, all these, all these Italian yeah. words all over our software.
1: <laughs> no, that's good. I think it's about, yeah, it's like building the technology, but meeting people where they, where they're at already Yeah, in their workflows. Like when, uh self-driving cars came out, they didn't like remove the steering wheel. They didn't, there aren't (laughs) these just like pods that just drive around. It's an actual car still, you know, (laughs) that has (laughs) this added feature to it. I I still think we need the steering wheel, like the DAW and and plugins and things like that. That's not going away anytime soon.
2: Well, they're also getting more powerful too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So meeting people where they're at and, and integrating it into the workflows that we're all familiar with already. Yeah. Until the next generation, the, the, the kids that are twelve years old right now are, are going to learn whatever's new.
2: Yeah. Then when when the when the Neuralink actually gets really good, and then it can just transcribe the musical idea <laughs> right out of your brain and and uh, and yeah, yeah. orchestrate it for you there.
1: I think it's an exciting time. It's overall very positive. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of negatives, but I think that there's, I don't know. It's it's what's difficult. I think is just based off the last hour and a half we don't know what the future is right it's <laughs> just kind of we're speculating and no one on earth knows what the heck's going to happen but we're in this place where we're just going to like we're we're very alert and like aware of where things are going and we just you know everyone has to be ready to adapt if you're a music creator listening to this it's like just be on guard and get ready like you know you because i think you could benefit from whatever big change is going to be coming you know
0: absolutely well, guys, this has been this has been a really uh, a really kind of interesting conversation. It's, yeah. I think it's interesting that we all we all have our sort of different perspectives on it. Um, and you know, as as a music tech company, I think it's it's great to have these discussions and and bring all of those ideas together. So, thanks for sitting down and having this conversation. Is there anything that you guys want to? say any parting words or anything like that before? No. We sign well, I, if,
1: if anyone that's still listening, I, I mean, I basically, we'd like to hear what your uh, opinions are about this and what mm-hmm, you would yep. like to see from a company like us, because this is something we want to, we want to do this right. And, uh, and so put it in the comments. Well, if it's Apple, I don't know, wherever you're what listening, comment or just ping us on, on Twitter or something. Um, because I think that's really going to be very important here, so that we can see where people are at. Uh, we want to navigate this carefully, and not do anything too too rash.
2: We we read every single feedback submission, and we make we make a lot of the decisions that we do about what what are our priorities for impl- implementing new things into Museo. A lot of the, uh, the, the 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 feedback tickets that we get from users carry a lot of weight in those discussions. So. If you have ideas, if you have things you'd like to see, if you have, uh, concerns, things that we shouldn't do, share them with us, tell it, let them know, hit that submit feedback button in Museo and, and my team and I will take it all in.
0: All right. So yeah, guys, um, if you have any ideas about this, if you're watching on YouTube, comment below, like Steve said, send us a feedback ticket, reach out to us somehow. Cause we really, really would love to hear your thoughts on it. We know it's a super, super nuanced conversation. It's there's no black or white. It's all gray. Um, and so we want to make sure, like Mike said, that we're, that we're navigating this in a thoughtful way. So thank you guys so much for sticking with us through this conversation um, and listening to us blab on and on. Uh, but uh, thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Talk to you later. <laughs>